0: And there were people who who said to me, I knew I hadn't seen the real you yet. I knew that there was something that was hiding. And pe- people can pick up on that. When you listen, you can tell when someone's being authentic. And it's it wasn't that I wasn't being authentic. I was being authentic in the way that I felt was authentic at that time. But when I look back on, on the sentiment and space that I was in, it was so much focused on external factors.
1: Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Sufrant, as a money expert who walks her talk. She helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Financial independence is not having to work for money anymore, but financial freedom is about having options. You can have financial freedom while on the journey to financial independence, and my brand new book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom A Step by Step Guide to Achieving Wealth and Happiness, will show you exactly how to achieve that. Your Journey to Financial Freedom comes out December 5th, but You can pre-order today and get my brand new course, Firestarter, the Financial Independence Blueprint, for free to get started on how to chart your course to more money, less debt, and more freedom today. Discover how to define FI and financial freedom for yourself Work on the FI component and the FI formula, calculate your FI number and more with this brand new course. The program includes four video lessons taught by me, a companion workbook to help you implement the lessons and more. You can get the course for free immediately when you pre-order one hard copy of my book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom today. Go to journeytolaunch.com book to order the book and get your free course. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Rich Jones, who is the founder of Find More Balance, a health and performance company offering coaching, community, and a collection of resources to help growth-minded professionals thrive inside and outside of work. Beyond what he's doing now, he is back into track and field. I don't know if you guys remember, if you've been a long-time listener, but Rich was back on the podcast podcast on episode 28. So Rich, you were pretty early on um, as a guest in my podcast. That must have been 2017. And here we are, fast forward years later, and you're coming back. And the reason why I invited you back is because you've had a transformation when it comes to your entrepreneurship path, your your health path, mental and physical, and just life. And I thought it'd be interesting to share that. And even if you didn't hear Rich's interview or you knew about Rich before, I just believe it's a well, what I see, and I know I'm going to learn more. It was a beautiful display of pivoting and following your journey and path, like the, taking the next steps in front of you. So welcome back to the podcast, Rich.
0: Jamila, thank you. Thank you so much for that introduction and for having me. I'm really excited to be here, particularly in this season of life, as you alluded to.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I do want to go back a bit, even if someone hasn't heard or knew of you before. Let's do like a quick background Of the Rich Jones that came on episode 28, you were part of the Paychecks and Balances podcast, which was a very, you know, in my opinion, a great podcast. And I was, I loved it because it's two black men talking about career and money in the personal finance space. So it was definitely something that, you know, I was like, wow, that's like a great platform. So tell me about the rich then, and let's start there and like how you have been transitioning. I know that's going to take a lot more (laughs) conversation and sentences, but I want to talk about kind of where you started from.
0: I was going to say, how much time do you have? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah, even going back, and so I'll go back even a little further and I can do it real quick. So I've been building things online since 2008. I started as a blogger. Then it's funny, I'm getting back more into writing now. I got into podcasting in 2013 after spending years writing about dating and relationships. So not only was I a blogger, I was a dating and relationship blogger. And I got into podcasting in 2013, particularly talking about career advice and personal finance, because when I was looking around for a show, a lot of the shows, they either talked over my head and made me feel dumb. They threw around jargon and terms that didn't make sense to me, or I honestly just quite felt like I was being talked down to. So I didn't feel like there was a show for people that looked like me, a show for people that had uh, my type of experience. And my past co-host, I actually knew him from a blog that I wrote for and ran, and that's how we ended up getting together. And it's interesting because like going back, I've always been about personal development. That's that's always been the umbrella from when I started writing online in 2008. Relationships is one element of personal development. Personal finance is, per, is part of personal development. Career advancement, you could even say, is part of personal development in terms of what that's doing for you as far as fulfillment, achievement, sense of purpose even in terms of what your career is able to do for you financially and the opportunities and things that that might create. And I can talk a little bit about that too. So on the surface, I was winning award-winning blog, award-winning podcast uh, eventually. And I've had a couple of different, a few different shows now. I know we'll talk about that too. There was a show before Paychecks and Balances, then Paychecks and Balances, and then pivoting to the Mental Wealth Show, which is uh, where I'm at now, and it's had the fewest episodes of all the podcasts (laughs) that I've done, but there's even reasons behind that. But then there was also what was happening behind the scenes, and I know that's a whole separate diatribe, so I'm gonna slow down for a minute, but uh, on the surface, at that time, personal finance and career advice were topics that were really important for me. I was thinking, I was at a point where I was worried. Okay, if I have one thing go wrong, if there's one tough situation that could put me in a really difficult spot, and that's really what triggered it, along with some career stagnants. So that's what got me on this path. So there was what people saw, which looked great, going to work at Google, all of, all of this award winning people knowing me when when they see me out and about, but they don't know about this other version of Rich that was that was also going on in the background.
1: Yeah, I think. The different versions of ourselves that exist in this world, the the version we show other people, the version that our friends and family see, the version that no one sees but ourselves in the mirror or where we are alone, you know they're they're different. and I just think that's very relatable because I know of many or just in my situation, while on the outside, it can look like, wow, she's doing like so many great things and and that may be true externally. But that doesn't mean that, you know, there's still not like life happening and all the things that created us or make us who we are, whether that's past experiences and family dynamics and relationships, like all these things impact our lives and, you know, eventually it impacts our money. So I know it's like, it's almost just like this trickle down effect where this is why I like talking about like who we are as people when it comes to how we then make money, earn money, manage money. Our goals about money, because it all intertwines, like our relationships, if we're vulnerable or not, if we're trusting, all like they're so connected. And so when we talk about finance or career in just silos without considering (laughs) all the things that make us who we are, I think we're missing out a lot. So I think for you to share kind of that there were some things going on in the background is interesting. But with that, what was going on for you? And then what was then the choices that you had to make to get yourself in a better position.
0: So everything I'm saying now was pretty much in retrospect. These are all things that we don't realize in the time, even the saying of things happen when they're supposed to. I've started to believe that a lot more because over the years, there've been times that I wanted things, even back then, even the past few years where I've really wanted things and they didn't work out, but now they're starting to work out to a point where I'm saying, oh, that just wasn't the right time. And I think about so many of the things over the past really decade, where again, where people on the surface, it looks like I'm winning, but there were so many things that I wanted and so many things that I thought about that it just wasn't the right time for those things. And that's the way it was for a number of years. So, what was going on behind the scenes when I look back in retrospect, it was a lack of confidence, the inability to take up space at times, a lack of self esteem. Uh, Anxiety, insomnia, averaging four to five hours of sleep for years upon years upon years, the bending and molding to try and be liked and to fit in in different scenes and in different spaces, defaulting to other people who were in the room, being able to turn it on when I needed to, but then wondering what people thought or felt about me afterwards. Panic attacks eventually came later in the in the 2020s. So there was a lot of stuff that was going on behind the scenes that people didn't know about. And the one thing that I used to try to solve all that, which was alcohol. You know, where for most of my adult life, it was something that that I, I struggled with. And I had phases where I wouldn't drink and then phases where I would fall back into it. But I mean, they even got to a point with a uh, previous iteration of the podcast that I was in such bad shape that I would be having a drink before the show just to get in a space where I could feel calm and feel comfortable. And it's interesting for people that have followed us for a number of years, you, you know, this as a content creator as well. And they see that evolution. And there were people who, who said to me, I knew I hadn't seen the real you yet. I knew that there was something that was hiding and pe- people can pick up on that. When you listen, you can tell when someone's being authentic and it's, it wasn't that I wasn't being authentic. I was being authentic in the way that I felt was authentic at that time. But when I look back on on the sentiment and space that I was in, it was so much focused on external factors. The biggest single question is, how can I be seen? Mm. And I don't mean that on a surfacey look at me, I'm out here winning level, but it was like a much deeper, like, it was a much deeper, how can I be seen? Even having a co-host, it's like, do people like that person more than me? Like, how, do, do I need to be more funny? Do I need to do more of this or that? Same thing at work. Oh, people keep gravitating toward this person. Do I need to mold and bend that way? And I did that for, for years. And as you can imagine, <laughs> that's pretty exhausting. And so just um, cycles and cycles of that from really most of my adulthood. I'm 40 years old. And so you could say probably from the time that I was 18 or 19 years old till 36. When I'm not sure what that would put me in 2020 when when I quit alcohol, but there was a lot of internal turmoil, even being on a mastermind call and being intoxicated. I mean, there was was just a lot of stuff that was going on behind the scenes.
1: And this is uh, part of the story where you can look back and I can say, well, you seem to still have been successful um, in your career because you still were holding down a corporate job and you had this thriving business on the side. And this is like one of those things where you say to someone that, yeah, you can still make it up the ladder. You can still earn money. You can still get a great job and be functioning with all of these things. But it eventually does catch up to you, or at least you're going to be forced to reckon with it at some point. So a lot of people I know, like, you know, it's like, I don't need to really, I know that I'm going through turmoil. I know that there are things I need to change, but I'm still seeing success. You know, I'm still making good money and, or, you know, I still have friends. Like, so why do I need to change? I'm surviving. So at what point for you, did you realize it was no longer about like showing this face or this mask that was not you and coping in the non-helpful ways. What what was your breaking point that made you say, okay, I can't do this anymore?
0: I had multiple points that I thought were the breaking point that weren't actually the breaking point where I went on Facebook and made some proclamation, even talking about leaving my day job. My clock is ticking. I'm out of here. That's why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling. That's why I'm having panic attacks. But the, the breaking point, some people think that it was when I decided to quit alcohol, but that's really not when the breaking point was. That was the beginning of let's say the physical healing, but that wasn't the beginning of the emotional healing that I needed to do. I hadn't gotten to that part yet, but the real breaking point, wow, it was around the time that we're recording this two years ago, I'd started having panic attacks where my heart would be racing. I'd wonder if I was having a heart attack. Am I dying? There'd be tears streaming down my face. I also felt myself isolating uh, a lot more, having camera off during meetings. I would have panic attacks with the camera off during video meetings at work, and nobody would know that that was happening in the background. It also became really difficult to do basic tasks, things like adding stuff to the calendar, following up on emails, things that somewhat of my level of expertise should be able to handle quite easily. And I couldn't. And I got to this space where... I knew something was going on. And what I actually thought that it was was that I needed to become a full time entrepreneur. I thought that what I was feeling was because I was shackled down by corporate America. And maybe if I got out and I got to do what everyone else was doing, that I would feel the sense of freedom. I mean, if you think about it, for the whole time that I knew you and I've known everyone in the community, I've had this day job, and all I've seen is entrepreneurship. And all my peers are entrepreneurs. When people talk about peers, I think more so of content creators and people in the personal finance and now a wellness community than I do people in corporate America. So I was seeing all that. I'm seeing what Instagram is telling me. I'm hearing about the five, six figure launches. And I'm like, man, you know what? This job is keeping me from doing that. And I thought that that's what the issue was. And I thought that's what was leading to the panic attacks and everything else. But again, it turned out that it was something that was just a, a lot deeper than that.
1: Let me tell you something. You saying that you thought your job was the reason, um, like, or the source, not the source, but like leaving it, would it make you feel better and get you to this new life? I think it's something that a lot of people need to really sit with because what I found on my journey, even entering into the financial independence space and wanting to reach it, it was also because I was unhappy with my job and my commute. And I I write about this in my book that, you know, for a lot of people, it's okay if you want to, you know, leave a job and you think that that's going to make you happy and that's your reason for obtaining financial independence or some level of freedom because you don't like where you work, you don't like the people or you think it's constricting, But in the same sense, it's leaving that and going into entrepreneurship or going to another job. If you do not understand really what the issue is or can't make peace, unless it's toxic, right? Like, you know, I'm not telling anyone to say anything toxic or unhealthy, but there's so many people running away from, it's not the external environment they're running away from. It's something internal, but they're putting it on the external environment and blaming that and thinking, well, when I leave this job or when I don't have that person as a boss, then I'll be happy. Only to find If they were to quit their job or go somewhere else, that it's the same issue. It comes, it seeps back in. I just think that's something a lot of people need to sit with. And it doesn't mean you can't make that a motivation to want to reach your goals and financial freedom or entrepreneurship, but you have to be real with what is the real reason that you want to do it. So for you, what did you become, like, what happened? Did you quit your job? Did you become an entrepreneur? And did you find out that it wasn't that? Or how did you know that wasn't the case for you?
0: I am so glad I didn't quit my job. I eventually did an episode that said that would have been the worst decision that I could have made. I said that in retrospect, because when I went out on leave and I work at Google by day. So tech companies have these generous policies, things around leave. I basically was out for 12 weeks, 100 percent paid, had access to everything I needed as far as all my benefits And it was during that time that I also started the real healing and started the eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. And I'm like, man, if I were trying to do this as an entrepreneur and not having these benefits and things to fall back on and knowing that I was covered and being able to ease back into, I'm like, man, if I had to focus on going out and finding deals and creating business and things that were already stressing me out on a part-time basis, I can't imagine what it would have been like to try to do that while also heal at the same time. In fact, I don't know that I would have uh, healed the way that I have so far. In fact, I think people use work as a crutch to avoid healing where we stay so busy just working, working, working. And a lot of that is so that we don't have to deal with those voices that we're hearing that are saying those negative things to us or that issue that we find ourselves continuously coming back to where we're asking, is it just me? And so we keep working, working. Even even vacations, taking a vacation for a week, it takes you three weeks to ease into the vacation, and then by the time you're in vacation mode, you got to go back, and so the anxiety is is already back. Uh, so th- so there's uh, all, all of those feelings that that come with it. But really, for me, when I I went out, my my single biggest thing was what's the alternative? Because if I stay, and my performance continues to Dwindle the way that that it is where it's not noticeable to anybody else right now, at least that I can tell what happens when it becomes noticeable to somebody else then that then it becomes a, a whole different conversation. but I was fortunate in being able to take this break and not jumping into full- time entrepreneurship because it gave me the time to finally start processing, and if I don't take this leave. I don't learn that I've lived most of my life with complex PTSD and and just had no idea. And so the all of that stuff I described earlier, the alcohol, the lack of self-confidence, the shrinking, the molding, the bending, that was all from living with complex PTSD. So I lived with that for the first 37 to 38 years of my life and had no idea that that was the underlying factor. And that explained why, despite me continuing to get what I want, I still wasn't happy. And so even whether it was the awards, whether it was new roles, like the things have always, again, on the surface worked out, but I would get that thing and be like, man, I like, got cool. Yeah. All right. Like what's, what's next? Like, there's gotta be more to it than that. And I, I realized that uh, it was actually this, this mental health condition that until I started to untangle that web and get to the root of that, I wasn't going to be able to fully get to ultimately where I am today and, and, and where I feel that, that, that I'm heading. So no, I didn't jump into entrepreneurship. I took time off, even spoke at the economy conference while I was on, while I was on leave. And that was, that was at the very beginning. It's crazy to look at the space that I was in at, at that point versus even where I am today. So, uh, so for me, it wasn't about uh, getting into entrepreneurship. It was about getting myself together.
1: And because you had that time, so that is, I think, the difference if you're honest with yourself or maybe you did not even know what your reason is and the unhappiness that you have inside. I think the fact that you had X amount of weeks to take off from work and to really do the work internally and we can talk about what that looked like for you, I think that's the purpose of uh, financial freedom and independence because hopefully, you know, you were fortunate to have a job that allowed you to do that and take that time some people may have that as an option for their job. They don't, you know, they need to inquire about it and see what that involves. But then also that to me is the real benefit of attaining and starting the journey to financial independence. Because even though for me, I knew the job wasn't necessarily the issue. It wasn't that because whatever I, you know, I talked about like not wanting to have a boss. Like I don't like people telling me what to do. Like, And even now as my own boss, I'm like, I don't even, I don't like bossing my own self around. I just don't like doing a lot of things. You know, like there's some things that is still the same and I've seen that, but I've had the liberty of taking a break or not feeling stressed because there was money as a cushion or because, you know, I had a safety net and I knew I didn't have to worry about bills. So I, I do feel like that is gonna be, you know, for a lot of people, the reason, not just because you can quit your job, but because you can have financial security or be able to walk away from situations or take breaks when you need them.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. Even if... I didn't have access to these benefits. I would have been covered for some period of time based off of money that I've saved, also with the role that I have. Stock is part of the compensation. So I had looked at how much runway I had, again, because I was thinking I need to go into entrepreneurship. I was like, all right, I can get six months. And then if I negotiate severance, I can probably get like another seven months. So I had this whole plan in my head of how I was gonna make it happen. But really the way that it turned out with that time is that I ended up doing a whole lot of nothing, which is exactly what I knew what I needed to do, Uh, especially after I learned about the PTSD. I did a whole lot of nothing and nobody tells you what it's like to be alone with your thoughts, like that level of alone where you don't have anything else to distract you. I, I, we don't have children. I dog doesn't really count. But just to have that time where I wasn't doing anything really on the podcast, the podcast was on hiatus, I wasn't writing, I wasn't at work. I had just gotten back in the training for track and field as a celebration of one year of sobriety. But for a lot of that time, I didn't do anything. I feel like it took me six weeks just to get to a place of, of like, all right, like now what do I want? And, that, then I, and then I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm in a place like, what do I want my routine to be? I don't want to be scrambling around like I was before. Like, how do I want to spend my day? And because I had that time off, I was able to spend more time training and able to establish a routine in terms of when I do my workouts, when do I have the highest energy, being able to learn and accept that I'm an early riser. So instead of fighting to stay in bed in the morning, why don't I move up my bedtime in the evening, so that knowing that I'm going to wake up at 5: 15 a.m, no matter what I do, that that's what's going to happen. And so even learning that energy management aspect is something that happened uh, during the course of that of, of that time off. And uh, it wasn't until I got toward the time of going back where I went on site for a, uh, a doctor's appointment. So yes, my doctor it was at work, go figure. And so I went on site for a doctor's appointment. And then after the appointment, I went to the cafeteria where there was the free breakfast, lunch and dinner. And I, I know this sounds privileged in the first world, but this is it's my reality.
1: No, you're you get hooked up at Google. My friend took me there one day for lunch. I was like, oh, my, this is like a full blown <laughs> restaurant with.
0: Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I had that. And then I went upstairs and I saw the gym had everything that I needed for my training, and I had this realization. I was like, "Man, work is actually helping me achieve my goals. Like, work is enabling me to do the things that I want to do right now. Leaving isn't the answer." So that's like what, like I come out of the leave with with, with the well. Actually, I kind of enjoy work, and I'm in a different space, and. Uh, What if I approached it a a, a different way? And so now I move with the mentality of how can work serve me? And I think I I thought that before, but now it's how can this role, how can this job, how can this company serve me in meeting my goals? So I'm taking advantage of all the benefits, all, all the perks Uh, I was talking recently about uh, how I'm not even focused on promotion right now because I I have everything that I need and more responsibility and moving up the ladder like isn't even like that. That's not even appealing to me right now because I I like my life. But it kind of started with that realization like, yo, actually work is helping me accomplish my goals. So I need to lean more into this because it's letting me do everything that I want to do right now.
1: Isn't it amazing how you things are right in front of you that you just don't see or can't appreciate just because for whatever reasons, you know, internally there's blockage, there's these mindset shifts you have to make, but to know like there's just perspective changes that whatever you're going through right now, there's someone who would like take that up on and be like, this is the most amazing like life ever. Like whatever your life is right now, or it's, it's different from the challenges that they're having. So I always try to keep that in mind and remember you know how far i've come or how blessed i am because there's always going to be a, a pros and cons to each situation whether it's entrepreneurship full time work you know and yeah it's really interesting i'm hearing that that switch for you to realize you know what let me let me make this the best it can be if i'm going to be here and have it serve me i love that
0: yeah. And it, it completely changed the way that I moved in the space. You you go from a place of resentment and feeling stuck to feeling free as cliche as it may sound, but it started to feel that way. And the other thing, so that was the one realization. The other big realization I had during this time off, this is so cliche, person goes away, has time off and experience comes back with big realization. The other thing I realized and this was really toward the end, like right before I went back was, I do not want to feel the way that I felt when I went out. And I will do everything in my power to not feel that way again. And as a result of that, I got very clear on boundaries. And I got very clear on what I was willing to accept and what I was willing to sacrifice. So when I went back, a lot of my work is client case-based where I'm working with folks one-on-one, sometimes through some pretty challenging stuff. I work in the DEI space, which as you know, is there's just a lot going on in in that space. But I was very clear when I went back to my work with my manager about my caseload, as far as my clients, I wasn't, I didn't have any grand dreams of exceeding expectations or, you know, trying to get promoted. I was just like, look, this is what I need to have peace. Here's what I can take in terms of caseload. I was also a lot more intentional about the types of projects that I wanted to work on, over time, I started to just take up more space. And by that, I mean, just speaking up when I had something to say and finding like, oh, like when I speak up, and you would think I would know this as being a podcaster for years. But I was like, oh, when I speak up, like, it's usually something that adds to the conversation. And people ask me to tell me more. And I find myself in these leadership situations. And so since I've started doing that, since I've created space through, through boundaries, the game has completely changed at work. I'm in the best stretch of my career, period. And so what does that look like? The projects I'm getting to lead. I get to host a podcast at work about health and wellness for the DEI organization.
1: And you brought that idea, right? Like, how did that come about? They, they saw me. Yeah,
0: I, I brought the idea. They basically saw me because I used the fancy microphones for my work meetings. <laughs> And they're like, "Oh, you have a good microphone. Oh, you look like..." and so it, it ends up being a good conversation starter. Low key, it ends up being a good conversation starter. And we ended up having a conversation about it. And I'd gotten a c- certified as a wellness coach. Jamila, there, there's just so much stuff. I'd gotten certified as a wellness coach, so that also played into it. But none of that happens, and we, even the track and field stuff, none of this happens if I don't create that space for myself and maybe everyone can't take 11 or 12 weeks but uh, you can take a few minutes every day to maybe create space for yourself some of us aren't even doing that because we're we're so wrapped up in all of the responsibilities and everything that's happening around us and uh, it's part of why though i still post on social media i say that i've gotten out of the content creation game because i i knew what i know what that game is like and i respect and admire people who can do it but what that was doing to me on a mental and emotional perspective, even how the trauma was tying into that, where people, there was a stretch, people would unfollow and oh, people don't like me. Oh, like, I guess I shouldn't share myself. The like fighting against the algorithm to be seen. Like it just got really, it just got really toxic for a while. And I decided like, even with that, like I'm, oh, you, you know, your content. I'm like, no, 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 no. I have a health and performance company. I coach people one-on-one now. I build membership communities now. I bring the community to me. I don't go fighting to be heard on a platform that I don't own. And these are all things, again, that they're seeds that are planted from one, creating space during that leave, but also creating space for periodic reflection over the past couple of years since that time.
1: That's why it's so important to hear people who are one, happy or content in their careers. And then also even you're still building or, or doing something on the side. You have a talent you have skills you know you still have a business on the side but you're doing it in your own way i think what we see because the people that we see are loud online and not in a bad way but they you see them more because that's what they do so if you're on instagram you're going to see the people who are doing the reels who are more to the forefront and if that is not what you want or your personality and the way you want to pursue entrepreneurship, it looks like that's the only way you can be successful if you, you know, do the dance too and, you know, do, stay on top of all the reels. <laughs> but I think because there are people like you who are successfully, you know, happy in their lives, but you're not necessarily going to see it showcased all the time. Where it's like, sometimes I'm like, I forget because, you know, you don't post often. And so I might be like, oh, wait, we're, like, I'll see something because sometimes it just shows you like a person's story or whatever. And I'm like oh yeah, rich. And then, so it's not at the forefront of your mind, but there are so many examples. And, you know, I feel like I'm kind of like in the middle of that, like struggling with my, not struggling, but because I also rather just live my life, <laughs> you know, and I don't necessarily need to like, you know, I'll forget like, oh, dang, like how did that person remember to take a reel of that moment? Cause like in the moment, sometimes I'm just not thinking about that. <laughs> But I also see the benefit because I know there's something to be said for showing, like, you know, a different type of lifestyle. And there are people who are going to gravitate to you and who are inspired by what you do. But I just love that, you know, there are so many people who are doing it their way and are happy. And so just because you may not be seeing it all the time, just know that there's another way to build a business or to do a side hustle or live your life. It doesn't have to be always out there.
0: Now, that was. I love that you said that because that was a grand cl- a grand proclamation I made on social media. I said, "F it, I'm doing this my way." I posted that on Facebook probably probably like a year year and change ago, where I said, "Yo, I'm not doing it this way anymore." Even even the even like with the the podcast game, and uh, I I had worked with a with a sponsor to start the year, and I re- quickly remembered why I didn't like that, even though I liked the money. I didn't like the pressure of like ah now I have to put out content. Like I have to put out X number of episodes. I need to put them out. I'm like I'm like even though I'm getting paid for this, I really like the freedom and flexibility that I have to make money otherwise and I like not having this commitment of needing to record. The podcast is coming back. It'll probably be back by the time people hear this, but even something like that where I was like I was like actually I don't enjoy doing this weekly. I I I had a lot of that. It was just actually, I don't, like, I can be funny. I can make a good reel, but I don't enjoy spending 30 minutes, like stopping what I'm doing, trying to get the camera, right. Having to take multi, it actually, like sometimes it registers on my fitness tracker, like my heart rate goes up and I'm like, Oh, that's when I was trying to record content. And it registers as an activity. I'm like, I don't actually enjoy that. And so now I'm, I'm in a space and I think, some of the financial decisions tying it back to that have allowed me to be in this space where things are going well at work. I know that I've got a certain amount of money saved and I am in a space where like if I had to leave work and do it on my own for a bit or go to another company, like I I could do that. But like right now, I feel like I have the space to explore. Like I and like part of this whole journey is me discovering who I really am and what I really like and what I actually want. So a lot of these past couple of years, it's stuff where you may think that I've thought about it plenty of times. But now I'm thinking about it as the person that I am post-alcohol, uh, having healed from uh, a lot of the trauma or healing from a lot of the trauma, because I, I believe healing is forever. And there's things from childhood that, that still get triggered today. And for a lot of us, we're walking around with things like complex PTSD and don't even know it and wondering why life is so is is so difficult. So it's it's uh, I I can't say enough about the, the importance of, of, of one, not just like going to a doctor for your checkups, but we don't think to talk to our doctors about like the mental health stuff. We think like we saved that for a psychiatrist and it actually created some challenges when I went to take the leave as far as like the paperwork that needed to be done. And my doctor was like, wait, you're coming to me telling me you have this issue. How come we've never talked about this? And sometimes these things could be surfaced uh, earlier, but we don't we don't think to have that conversation.
1: Yeah, you don't even know, especially if you're operating in a world where you don't it's not you don't see it as an example of someone taking care of their mental health. Because, you know, I remember meeting you. I think first time I think I met you was at a podcast movement. I had just started. 2017, I think that was my first uh, podcast movement, and then we were, you know, we saw each other at FinCon a couple times, and you were always up for a good time. <laughs> I was like, I can always count on Rich, like he's going to be on the dance floor. He's going to have, you know, a little drinky drink. Like, you know, it's like you were fun, and I, and nothing is wrong with a person who wants to have fun and it, you know enjoys, because that's fine. But I just feel like there's so many people who like you don't know, they don't know if it's coming from a place of it's fun or like, no, like you're like it's masking something else. And if you're around so many people where no one else, no one is talking about mental health or really digging deep on why you're coping in this manner. It's just like you just wonder how many other people or even yourself, you have an issue that you don't know about because you just don't know what, what it looks like it hasn't been given a, a name. Um, you haven't expressed it to someone who can help you like, you know, your doctor, like you said.
0: Yeah. And that's part of why now, even with transitioning to from paychecks and balances to the mental wealth show, like it's, it's been about showing people the importance of doing the work and what happens when you do the work and also what the work is like. Cause you, we all hear, we all hear about doing the work. It's like, well, what does that really mean? And like, well, that's going to a therapist, not just going to a therapist, but going to a therapist, realizing something really difficult, processing those emotions over days, weeks, months, maybe not fully getting through them, but getting to a place of acceptance. Like, that's really what a lot of this is, is is, is getting to uh, to a place of, of, of acceptance. And uh, we don't we don't get there in those things again because we, we try to push and, and avoid and avoid. But for me, it's like, yo you're going to keep, and you said this earlier, you're going to keep finding yourself in the same situation over and over again. It's going to take different forms, but you're going to find yourself in the same situation until you get to the root of the issue. And what you think of is the root of the issue probably isn't the issue. And I use uh, back pain as an example, where before I got in the training, my back had been bothering me and it still bothered me through training. And for years, I thought it was my back, but it actually turned out that it was from uh, abdominal weakness, uh, weakness in my hips, so that my back was overcompensating for all the other weak muscles but i felt the pain in my back so i thought the issue was actually my back but it turned out that it was something much deeper and until i addressed those things the back was like it it wasn't going to matter and i think that's where a lot of us are but we don't we don't know that i feel like what i've experienced is what woke should mean where you're like oh This is like, this is uh, what's really going on. And that's a lot of it is just being able to like, understand what's going on and like, oh, this is why I'm responding that way. Or like, oh, you know what, for as much as I get on a microphone, I'm actually not as vulnerable as I thought. This is a different type of vulnerability than the vulnerability when you're talking to your partner and you have to really bear your soul and you don't know if you're going to get hurt. Like there's just... All sorts of stuff like that that I've learned that's just led to abundance in different aspects of life.
1: Did you know I broke out the path to financial independence into what I call five or stages? That's right. There are five stages that you have to travel through to reach complete financial independence. When you know your stage, you know what to focus on and how to move on to the next stage. I created a free one-minute quiz to help you determine what stage you're in. After you take the quick quiz, you'll know where you are on your financial independence journey, the main thing you should focus on, plus you'll get a curated list of 10 Journey to Launch podcast episodes to listen to that will help you for your specific stage. Go to journeytolaunch.com slash my stage right now to take the free quiz. That's journeytolaunch.com slash my slash my stage. I love when you, you you talk just now about, you know, having a pain and not understanding how deep it goes. And so for you, like, was that going to um, physical therapy? Was that researching more? How did you find out that that what you thought was the initial pain, it was deeper. And this goes just to show people too, like how to go further than your initial assessment of something in general, because it, it it doesn't just stop at your first observed thought. Like it can be deeper. So for you, how did you go deeper into discovering what were the issues for yourself, whether it was physical or even like mental? Oh,
0: I'll talk about the pain because you'll love this type of story. I mentioned on the podcast that I had back pain and a listener, shout out to Andrew, reached out on LinkedIn and he's a, a uh, strength and conditioning coach, uh, a physical therapist. He's got a bunch of different things, and he said, "Hey, uh, I'd be happy to take a look." Or actually, first he gave me a tip, and then later on, I thought of him when my back got messed up again. And that's how it works, right? You 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 give some, somebody remembers, and then later on, I thought of him, and I started working with this guy. And he very quickly did a diagnosis. Like it's it's just like anything else. Going to a doctor, going to a therapist. He very quickly did a diagnosis. Was like, "Yeah, abs are weak." I'm like, wait, what? I've been doing crunches. He's like, yeah, you've been doing this, but have you been doing some of this boring stuff? And so by that, I mean, we, we, we think of some of the glamorous exercises, but like it's the little boring ones that we absolutely hate that make the biggest difference.
1: Rich, let me tell you, because as you were telling that story, I was like, that is me in certain areas. So after having my kids, I developed a uh, diastasis recti where the separation of the abs And as someone who's always been very fit and always had pride in my nice little four-pack that I had before my kids, you know, it's been hard just adjusting to my new body. Even though people see me as fit and I am fit, my midsection just because I have the separation, you know, it, it presents... Round, you know, especially if I just have anything, I eat anything, it just gets rounder. And there are things that I can do to help, right? Not just the physical appearance, but also help with support because there's some support issues. And all the things I need to do are these boring exercises. I know what they are. I know, like, to help, you know, strengthen the hips because it's the hips, it's the psoads. It's like all these things I need to stretch and um release my psoads every morning. I'm like, oh, I just want to go run and I just want to go lift weights. Like, I don't want to do all that. But, <laughs> The small, boring things. I know, like, again, these are things I know. I just have not, I don't know, there's something, I don't do it every day. And I know I should, but I think this goes to ev- a lot of things in life, right? It's like the small little things that we just avoid, we don't want to do because we, you know, it's like, ugh, we'd rather get to the, like, what we want, but we don't understand, like, getting to what we want, whether it's the physical or the money, it takes the small things <laughs> that some of us are skipping over and not doing,
0: yeah and that's the thing I've learned whether it's stuff like this or anything. Avoidance never dissolves the issue. It usually just gets bigger and so, for example, like doing me doing more squats when it's like my abs and it's like and me trying to justify it in my head of oh well, squats hit abs too versus doing the annoying planks versus doing the bird dogs and the other boring exercises. I'm still not addressing what actually needs to be addressed. I'm doing what I like as opposed to what needs to be done, uh, which which is easy. Even with the, like the content, the time management is another thing. Where like where we know we should be working on one thing, but this other thing is a lot more fun, or this other thing uh, is going to give us a uh, a greater feeling of of uh, accomplishment in the moment.
1: For you getting back into track, uh, talk about that because. I often think and find that some things that we did in our youth or what made us happy or where we excelled. And as we get, become older, you know, that changes, we kind of shift our focus, but you got back into something that you you did when you were younger. So talk about that transition and similarities between getting in shape physically and just in the other ways in life that you get in shape, whether financially or your career rise.
0: Yeah. So It's crazy because getting back in the track is something that I've thought about every single day since probably my last meet in 2007. In some form or another, I would think about it every single day. And there were a couple of times where I tried to get back into it when I lived in New York City, but it's hard getting to an outdoor track and the subway. It was just a lot going on. New York City was also the unhealthiest four years of my life because stuff is always open. There was alcohol. There's just always. There's just so much going on in in New York. Moved to California and tried to get back into it. Uh, pulled my hamstring and then that sent me into a, a spiral with alcohol and just negative self talk. Like, see, this is what you get. Uh, it just all just started saying really terrible things to myself. And over the next few years, I had these spikes in, in my, or track shoes in my closet from college that I hadn't got, gotten rid of, and I could never bring myself to get rid of them. And uh, as I was approaching one year of alcohol sobriety, I had this realization. I was like, yo, I finally have the space in my life to be able to do this. I, I, I'm free from alcohol, so I don't have that restraint. I'm financially in a good spot. I've got the support network around me. I'm finally in a space to be able to, to do this. So I set a goal in uh, July 1st, 2021 to get back in the track and field and compete at the outdoor national championships for the master's level, which is by age group in July of 2022. But I ended up making like a tour of it. In, in 2022 to, to, start out where, you know, I started out going to Colorado and then I was in Arizona and then I was in New York city. And so the, the things that it allowed me to do as far as getting to travel, getting to connect, getting to connect with and, uh, meet new people, um, the, what training did just for, for my mindset and just in the idea of living like an athlete where uh, people talk about, Downward spirals, but there's also upward spirals where one good habit leads to another. And so, to me, living like an athlete, it's like, all right, I know that if I don't get enough sleep, I'm going to get a crappy workout that's going to affect my performance. Oh, uh, for me to get enough sleep, I need to think about my bedtime, and if I need to think about my bedtime, I probably need to eat by a certain hour. Oh, by the way, I need to think about the way that I'm eating because that's going to impact my performance. And so, everything it kind of you just you, you get into this routine and you get into this. Uh, rhythm. And there is something about, at least for me, uh, having something to look forward to, whether it's the next competition or that big championship meet. And so and so that first outdoor championship, that was the emotional goal. That was the, when I think about achieving that, this goal, like my eyes watered and I, I felt something. And, and that's how I set big goals. Now, if I don't like feel like choked up or I don't feel something thinking about the goal, then it's, 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 it's not a big enough goal. But for this, um, I felt that. And uh, at the indoor championships in 2022, things didn't go so well. I ended up like it. And it was looking back. It was crazy to think that after only training for six months that I was going to come back and be great at that point. Like, it it just didn't make sense. But at the outdoor championships that uh, that year in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, uh, I came in last place in the long jump. Just horrible performance. Just things. a lot of things didn't go well. But then the next day on the last jump, I won my first national championship a year back in the track and field uh, in the triple jump for my age group. And I'm like, wow, I never thought in one year's time I would go from where I was to being a national champion. And since then, becoming a two-time national champion and most recently becoming a two-time silver medalist, setting personal records, hitting the All-American standard for my age group. I mean, it's been... It, it's, 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 it's become a primary aspect of my identity. It, 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 re, it really has. And it's just been, um, just seeing how it inspires people and, and people seeing that there's more. And the last thing I'll say, seeing, cause this talks about like examples that we see for health. we like, we see examples of people winning financially, but I hadn't personally seen examples of like black men being older, being fit to me. I think about getting older. I thought about sickness, death, cause that's what a lot of us see. And so to go to attract me and see 60, 70, 80 year old men, men, particularly black men in shape to see black men, 50, 60 years old, running faster than me, looking more in shape than me, like yo, that, that just, op- that created a whole nother level of realization is I'm like, yo, it doesn't have to be over. There's people here cheering for their grandparents, cheering for their parents. I'm like, I want that. And so then that creates another emotional goal. I'm like, man, I'm sitting here getting misty because people are cheering on this 90 year old man running. And I'm like, yo, man, I want to inspire my kids like this. So it just it it just keeps on moving. And my involvement in the sport is getting um, larger and larger because I find the more I put into it, the more that I'm getting back.
1: At personal development or setting outside things you're interested in, outside of trying to make money from it or doing it for the likes of other people, I think it's such an important thing, especially as we get older. Because you know, having kids that are now starting to compete and do things, you know, they don't get it yet. You know, we we hope if they want to continue being competitive, that it they'll start to really like live and get it and start to do it on their own. Like they get up on there and start practice. We don't, you know, tell them, okay, it's time to practice. And I think as we get older, a lot of us have the perspective. Like my, my kids don't have that yet. They're so young, right? But like, as they get older, as we get older, we have more autonomy. We have more control over our time for the most part, you know, if we're not like bogged down by work. But we have insight. And I feel like, to then still remember that we can create these personal goals like we can still play a sport we can still train we can still you know if you're not into you know athletics do something else that you are interested in or find a hobby that you can meet other people who are doing this thing that you get inspired by I think it's so important because fun and life and development doesn't have to stop because we're, you know, we're older now. And I think sometimes as we, I'm also 40. And so sometimes it feels, I don't think my, my life is nowhere halfway done. You know, there's so much ahead of me, but it can feel like when you're looking back on your life, like, oh, like all that was like in the past. And it's like, no, you can start a whole new life, get a whole new hobby, get a whole new, you know, goal that you're training for or working towards that is tied to nothing but your own personal satisfaction that will make you just your life so much richer. You know, like there's no stopping you from doing that right now.
0: Yeah, uh, that's funny. I was thinking, I'm like, I'm richer than I ever mm. been, pun intended. <laughs> and and that's that's the way I So when I turned 40, I turned 40 and the birthday gift to myself was winning a national championship the next day. It was be winning a national championship. The so I'm like, man, the 40s are shaping up to be fantastic. And I won't lie. I, I dreaded it coming into it. I had a lot of stress and anxiety, even with all the therapy and everything else that was going on. This concept. Uh, or relationship that I had with time where I've felt that time is running out. Like that's been my fixed mindset thing is like, ah, like ah, like rushing to get things done before time runs out as opposed to understanding that there's a lot of time left. Like, no, this is a a new chapter.
1: And I mean, and we're not, the society also makes you feel that way in some regards because I've actually been, I got contacted for two lists. They were all like 40 under 40 lists. And I'm just like, well, you know, I turned 40 already. And they were like, oh, we're sorry. (laughs) And I'm just like, really? (laughs) Like, just because, like, what's wrong with it? Like, being 40 or even forty. Five and like, and you can't make this list just because of your age. Like So, you know, s- society also pushes that on us too about the age that we have to just let go. So when that happened and they were like, yeah, you couldn't, you, you, because you just turned 40, like you just, you would have to be 39 and younger. And I'm like, so just because I'm like 40, all the accomplishments that you just said you wanted me for just don't matter now. Like, but I had to also release that and say, it doesn't matter. Like it, there that list is great, but it's okay if you didn't make it and it's okay. There's a lot of things you have not done yet that you will do in the future and you'll be way over 40. So you won't make that list in a couple years either. So it was just interesting that I don't think it's in our head. Like society also makes us feel like, oh, you're getting older. Like <laughs> there's not much left.
0: Yeah, it's yo, it's a real thing. Even the commercials that I see now, I'm seeing millennial generation focused commercials on TV with the artists who are getting featured in those commercials. As a man without hair, the you don't want to be like your dad, bald, or like like just like the things that I hear on TV, or, uh, or or hearing them call like a thirty seven year old NBA player washed up or at the end of their career. I'm like, that's a mind trip for me because I'm forty and I'm still out here, and you're saying that that this person is washed up. So that's that's really tough. Uh, one thing I don't know what triggered this thought, but one thing that I've also learned that's been really helpful is most things have nothing to do with me. And, and by that, I mean how somebody else is feeling, how someone responds to you, a decision that's made. It usually has nothing to do with you. And that's something that uh, my therapist has had to remind me when I'm thinking like, oh, this person, or this is how people are going to respond. And it, it's like, they ain't thinking about you. They are not thinking about you. And so I've had to, I, in, in letting go of, of some things, like things I didn't get, like, but those lists used to drive me nuts, like trying to get you know trying to be featured in Apple Podcast and trying to get featured on this thing and like not being featured in the list and feeling left out and wondering what I did wrong and like what I could have did differently and what I could do better. It's like yo, this not being on that that has nothing to do with you. That says nothing about you, your talent, your y- your ability. Uh, you just you just that person just didn't see you. That person or or that person saw you and said you weren't that fit. But still, what does that mean in the grand scheme of things? And I think that stops a lot of us uh, from launching our thing, whatever it may be, is like, we're worried about what other people are going to think and they're going to see you fail. And it's like, ain't nobody thinking, ain't nobody watching you like that. You are the only one watching yourself like that. And and I found that realization to also be uh, very freeing.
1: Yeah. How did your friends and family um, take on this transformation? So as someone, you know, if you spent Decades as the rich, they knew that was about having a good time, drinking, and presenting themselves a certain way. As you started to change, do you have to navigate those relationships differently? What What was going on there?
0: Oh man! So that's the hardest part. Is that, so because right now I'm also in the throes of uh, of uh, wedding planning and thinking about who's going to be in my party. And it's interesting because everyone who's going to be in my party is primarily from these last few years. they are people who've been part of the transformation, and that forced me to think about a lot of the relationships. Now I'm not doing that whole like, oh, no, I, I don't roll it off. You know, I, I can't roll with y'all anymore. I still got you know friends from from college, uh, people that I've met over the course of of um, of of work, but. I've definitely become a lot more intentional in terms of how I spend my time and 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 who I spend my time with. Family's been tough. I'm I'm going to be real about that cuz th- that's been part of the healing work is navigating childhood trauma. I won't go into all the details about it, but anything horrible you think could happen probably happened. And so I've been in this like ongoing that's part of what a lot of us do we're operating we're like going around and the kid version of us is operating and we and we don't know it we don't recognize it that that's what's happening but that's what it is so it, uh, it, it the, the family part there's other family members that I'm completely good with but there but there are folks where now that I see how they either enabled or missed or didn't pay attention to some really critical things that happened and I'm aware of those things it has changed how I how I see them but I also have to accept, like, they only knew what they knew at the time. And also getting to a place of understanding, like, their own situation. Even my mom and my dad, like, coming from the South, KKK had burnt down my grandfather's farm. That's part of how my dad ended up in uh, upstate New York. He would go on to have trouble with alcohol. He would go on to, looking back, have mental health issues. And people just said, oh, that's just him being, because and, and, nobody knew at the time, like that's what, e- e- even when he was having a stroke, like my mom didn't know like what the signs were. And there were other things that people did, like at that time, it's just like, oh, that's just the uncle. That's just the person acting crazy. Whereas like now today, it's a completely different time. So a, a lot of this has been accepting that like, yo, I can't change the past. My therapist, there's a quote she always says, uh, uh, forgiveness is letting go of any hope of changing the past. And, uh, I'm still, I'm still navigating that with some things, but the family part has definitely been, um, tough. It's the most challenging by far, but, uh, I also feel like I can, I can feel the growth. Like even when I'm putting together my wedding list, like what that process would have been like before versus what it's like this time and feeling good about who I'm putting on there and making decisions based on what I want versus what family might think, I think is, is another big distinction too.
1: Rich, tell us what you have going on next. So what's your, when's your next, what what are you training for next? Um, what's the next thing that you're doing? Or you could be doing nothing. You could be just, you know, relaxing, enjoying life. But let, let us know what's going on next and where people can follow your journey and learn more about you.
0: Yeah, so of course, I'm doing more. So I have my last track and field meet of the 2023 campaign coming up. So I'm super excited about that. And then I'm shifting my gears to growing the Mental Wealth Track Club. So I've been competing under my own registered track club for the past couple of years. And so it's been cool to win or, win or hear them say my name and then say the Mental Wealth Track Club. And so I'm actually expanding the track club to anyone who wants to get back in the track and field as an adult, anyone who wants to get in the track and field or competitive athlete shape, even if they don't step on a track at an actual meet. And so that's what I mean when I mentioned earlier that I was shifting toward building communities where, I talked to so many people, even people in our world where I'm like, you can do this. They're like, no, my knee. It's so funny hearing everyone's limiting beliefs when I talk to them about getting back in the track. My knee, my family, I don't have time. And I'm like, no, you can do this if you want to get into it. So I'm going to Um, by the time this comes out, I'll probably have a one year challenge started for anyone who wants to be uh, competing or uh, in track and field shape by a year from now. I want to have a team assembled to compete at the national championships in 2024 in Sacramento. So you can learn more about that at MWTrackClub.com. And then uh, everything else, even now you can find that on FindMoreBalance.com. I'm launching a private membership community for uh, busy professionals who are uh, ready for change. I believe a lot of growth can happen through community. A lot of my growth has happened through community. So I'll be getting that off of the ground as well. And what's crazy about that is it's something I thought about a decade ago. That now wasn't the right time then, but now is the right time to to finally make that happen. Uh, and then the very last thing is I started a, a newsletter on LinkedIn uh, that's uh, that, that's off to a uh, off to a pretty strong start where I have went back to even the way that I used to write as a blogger. I'm like, wow, it's interesting how it comes full circle where where I started as a writer is like right back to what I'm starting to lean into more now. So I'm, I'm really excited about growing both these communities and uh, and also getting back more in the writing. I'm finding I, I really I really enjoy that process.
1: Oh, I love that. And you're on Instagram as what's your Instagram handle?
0: Oh, that's right, oh, yeah, that part. Uh, at rich runs track on on uh, Instagram, on threads, on uh, x slash Twitter, on linkedin so so you so so you'll find me as yeah, at Rich runs track across all the platforms.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to link all that. We'll put all that in the episode show notes. so You can follow Rich and get in touch. But thank you so much for coming on, being vulnerable, sharing your story. Uh, I love this conversation. So thank you. Thank
0: you so much for having me and for giving me this space. There are, uh, it's important people know this. I've thought multiple times over the course of this journey about hitting you up about coming on the podcast. So when you reached out to me, it felt very serendipitous because I've thought you want to talk about a literal journey to launch. I'm literally jumping. I'm like, like this is a journey to launch if you want to talk about one. So I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that this worked out.